podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Strutty Cast. Delighted to be joined today by one of the leading writers in StrattyNews.com, Leah Smith. How are you, Leah? Hiya, Dale. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, not too bad. I suppose the, the past, since the return of football, you know, United aren't losing games. The publicity has been, I guess, been pretty, like, you know, positive um, since we've returned. You know, people are kind of look, looking at some of the performances and they're not up to scratch. But we wanted to start with the Norwich game today. Obviously, Manchester United won 2-1, the game went to extra time, progress to the semi-finals of the FA Cup. The performance, Lee, I know you did a video on your own YouTube channel on Luke Shaw pointing out where he could have done a bit better. What did you make of the overall performance before we get on to Shaw? It was actually probably as I expected. I think with the with the eight changes in the lineup, the starting lineup, I think it was it was inevitable that we were we were going to struggle and we were going to lack that that cutting edge and that team cohesion, which we had against Sheffield United, just because the team was fractured. Um, I mean, I didn't mind the lineup as such. There's a couple of things I would have changed, but overall, it's not a good performance. But I wasn't surprised by what I saw at all. I said it on the Strutty News TV um, preview chat we did the day of the game. You were on the show, Leah, that I didn't. I was wary of of too many changes to the lineup, yeah. and I know it's been reflected on more in hindsight mm-hmm. since the game. Beforehand, people kind of wanted fringe players to get a run, and I'm just thinking now: has the momentum we had in the league been shot because of so many players coming in? Like you have to look at it in order to have team cohesion. Team, the team has to play together week in, week out. And you could you could have went into this game by making a few changes. But the changes he made in the game, Solskjaer, he became the first manager in English football to make six substitutions, by the way. But he brought on the players that I think he should have started and then maybe take them off when the game is wrapped up rather than bringing on players and kind of you know, rushing and panicking that we have to get a result. It was... It was, it was equal at the time I think he should have started a bit stronger and now we're, we're, we're in a sense that we're going into this game and there's been a little break players weren't really great against Norwich they were you know if they're again saying that Liam am I being am I being overcritical because what is this the third game back you know players are not 100% and maybe soldiers looking at this with a bigger picture and saying if I use my squad in games like this they'll all be up to pace a bit quicker would you agree with that or do you think that well, that's the thing. I mean, no one other than Solskjaer and the players themselves are, are going to know that. But I think I agree with the with the changes that that came on in the game. Probably should have started. I wouldn't have started short. I wouldn't have started Fernandez. Um, I, the reason I wouldn't have started Fernandez, other than the fact I'm keen to ensure that he doesn't get injured and and hit burnout, is the fact that he played alongside Mata. I don't like that at all. I think they're too similar um, in how they operate in games. Um, Mata offers 
no onrushing width whatsoever for a player like Fernandez to exploit. So what they end up both trying to do is accommodate both roles. So they try and play with width as well as that central uh, playmaking role. And they end up cancelling each other out. Or at least that's how I see it when they play. Um, so I wasn't keen for that that partnership, um, one or the other. And just purely because Fernandez uh, is is our key player and we've got a lot of games coming up, I probably would have benched Fernandez and brought in um, maybe someone like someone like Pogba. Fernandez, as well as that, he he's got a bit of criticism after the game. Some people saying on Twitter it was his worst performance for Manchester United. Now, I, I get to you in a second, see if you agree with that. But my whole perspective on it, if that's his worst performance. We've got one hell of a player on our hands. I know people are critical of the fact that he gave away the ball quite a bit. Fernandez's job, since he's come into this team, is to take risks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and his passes are, are risky passes. that He's going to lose the ball sometimes. We have to accept that. I think if you cast your mind back a few months ago when we were starting Jesse Lingard in games, Juan Mata was getting, well, Jesse Lingard mainly, things just weren't happening. Jesse Lingard, I'm not saying doesn't have a doesn't have a a role to play in this team. He does. If we're playing, if we're playing against a team that likes to keep possession and we need to work hard, I'd start Jesse Lingard. But I think you're totally right in starting Lingard, Mata, and Fernandez. There's too many similar players. They they didn't work off off one another um, quite well enough. But I think with, with Fernandez, just stressing the the part of risky passes. That's how you win games. That's what makes Fernandez special when it, when it all comes off. And I remember praising Alexis Sanchez about this when he came to Manchester United. And I know people probably look back at those episodes and might laugh at it. But I quite liked the fact that when Sanchez first came to United, when he got the ball as, as, as on, when he was on the flank, he would turn and he'd run at defenders. Run at defenders and attack. And that, that's what I want to see. I want to see risks. Now, I know it didn't work out for, for Sanchez. But for Fernandez, for the most part, he hasn't had really many bad games. And if this is a bad game... No, what a player we have. Mm. Do, 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 do you think that maybe people are being overcritical of, of that performance from Fernandez? Do you think that um, it was a matter of him basically looking exhausted? I thought he looked tired in the pitch. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough one. I, I go back to what I just said about, about um, Fernandez being in a team which features Mata uh, and, and Lingard. They, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Lingard's not a good player, Matters past it or anything like that. But when when you deploy a system with with those three, especially Mata and Fernandez, Fernandez' style of play requires width in the side. So he requires a, a Rashford to his left and a, a Greenwood or a James to his right. Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere where he can drive the ball forward and then distribute wide with players that have got the, the pace to bomb on ahead of him. He doesn't have that when, when he's, when he's playing with matter. So it does look forced. And not only that, when he's trying to um, play in uh, like central balls, uh, which cut a defense open, he's got someone in a Galo there holding it up who we know is not as technically gifted as someone like Martial. So, okay. I don't think a Galo had a, had a bad game at all, but with that, with those type of passes and what he's trying to do when he's trying to unlock defenses, he, I think he, Bruno works better with someone, like I say, someone like Martial, who is more technically gifted and can can trap a ball better and work in tighter spaces more effectively, if that makes sense. So, 
for me, I, I don't have a problem with Bruno's um, performance. It wasn't his best one, um, mm. but I think it was a classic example of how one man can't win a game. Yeah, and of course, Paul Pogba came off the bench and he changed the game again. And I know we, we, before the end of this podcast, we, we'll briefly touch on Brighton. We'll give a, we might give some predictions as we think who, who'll start the game and who might miss out. But Pogba again coming on, game changer. He seems to be a player at 27 that's coming of age. I know it's only been a few games, but an aspect of his game that I think Mourinho picked at and Mourinho wasn't happy about was his lack of discipline. And when he was playing in that deep midfield role, he just he didn't have the head for it. And I think from watching him come into these past few games, it does look to me that Pogba has a point to prove. And he's been listening to what everyone's been saying about him. And we've all been calling for let your feet do the talk and forget about Mino Riola. Forget about jumping on the official Manchester United podcast and making yourself sound great. United fans don't care about any of that if you're not doing it on the pitch. And I think he deserves a bit of praise um, from the performance we've seen since the return of football. And we can only hope that it continues because um, a, 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 an informed Paul Pogba in your team and you're going to win most games. It's as simple <laughs> as that. And, and, and I think... We've seen we've seen him when he when he was fit in previous seasons, consistency and, and flashes of, of brilliance and a lack of consistency. He hasn't been able to do it week after week. If he can do it between now and the end of the season, I think a lot of United fans might change their their, their view on him. I um, think they already. Do you think they already have? Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, um, me personally, I've 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 fought you know Pogba's corner on, on social media and with conversations with friends and family for. For, for years now I, I, I wanted him back when he was at Juventus I think he's I think he's brilliant I, I think he's probably one of three midfielders in the world which starts for any team in the world um, Do you think so, Paul Pogba has been a victim at Manchester United in the sense that he came to Manchester United from a very successful um, domestic, domestic dominating Juventus side um, with a great midfield, and he came to Manchester United. We were kind of promised that we'd sign this player to accommodate him. And you look at the players that we did sign, and they wouldn't be a touch on the players he played with at Juventus or the players that he played with when he won the World Cup with France. And I'm just thinking, was there a lot of false promises given to Pogba that we were going to be this big successful team? And the back end from the boards didn't quite match up with the what the managers were trying to do. And do you think Pogba was maybe a victim of that? And people might be might be scratching head saying, what are you saying? You know, Pogba's been having his age and come out and melt about the club and stuff, but, but United haven't been successful as what Paul Pogba would have expected when he joined the club. You know, he joined the club, Mourinho was manager, Slatan had come. You know, there was a lot of hope. And I think mm. maybe now he's probably seen the most, most hope there ever has been with, with the, mm. the introduction of Fernandes. And most importantly, the spirit of the camp seems very high. Mm. Yeah, so I think, I agree with that. So, I think I think there's been a noticeable change in um, Paul Pogba's like whole demeanour um, in the last. Well, I mean, probably since I've noticed it. Probably since February time, just before we we went into lockdown in March. Um, obviously, we had a break, but when they came back, training photos and and clips and things like that. Like I think I said it the other day. I've never known Paul Pogba and Anton Martial to look so happy. I don't think I'd seen Anthony Martial smile up until the other day. <laughs> yeah, um, after, after so, they scored his they have a very Yeah, they have a very happy camp. So, um, And I've said it for a long time, if you've got a fully fit 
uh, fully focused and happy Paul Pogba, um, you, you've always got a chance um, in a game, in a season, in a cup final, whatever, because he's that good and he can change games in, in, in a split second. So, yeah. Just touching on the two goals and the two win-win over Norwich. Um, of course, a Gallo score, which I can only describe, was like a Slatan-esque finish, just throwing his leg at it and, and hitting into the back of the net. But Maguire's goal, I think looking back on the match, it's what I'm going to remember most because a lot, a lot, of, a lot of people criticised the, the performance. It wasn't exactly gung-ho. It wasn't exactly snappy in passing. It was a bit sluggish at times. But... It's the pure magic of the FA Cup people talk about. When your centre-forward is, is, is lurking in the opponent's box in the final minutes and latches onto the end and slides into the back of the net, that's the magic of the Cup. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you actually think about it, your centre-back roaming up the pitch, it wasn't even from a set-piece. Um, you know, so he, Maguire is, is, is taking not just his defensive duty seriously, but he's also a leader on the pitch and, and willing to take those risks. Because football is about risk. You don't win a game without taking risks. And we talked about Bruno Fernandes and why he's so brilliant. It's, it was nice to see Harry Maguire um, get that winner. I know it's the second goal in the competition and he'd be hoping to add to that before the end of it. We're in semi-finals now, of course, and we'll talk about that draw shortly. But um, I want to focus a small bit with you on Luke Shaw's performance because it is something that you touched on with, your, with a YouTube video. So what did you look at, Leah? For me, and this isn't, when I say this, it's not just because of the Norwich game or anything like that. This is how I feel about Luke Shaw permanently. Um, I think he's a good fullback. I think he would be more than capable doing a job um, in a certain team. I just don't think that certain team is Manchester United, unfortunately. And I think that's down um, primarily to the way that we are trying to play that you can see that we're we're brewing a style um and you know a certain philosophy if you like that ollie's trying to to implement and and that in my opinion is quick free-flowing attacking football um now i i think with with the signing of uh wambasaka who is his year anniversary of being at the club today um he he creates a, an air of balance on the right hand side because he's he's so good defensively. He's capable going forward, but that part of his game is 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 not where his defensive game is. Um, so over on the left hand side, I think that we need to be more proactive in our um, sort of initiations of attacks from deep, if that makes sense. And you see that, and it's reminiscent across um, top flight football all across Europe you have a balance between fullbacks. Um, you look at Bayern Munich and you've got players like um, like Kimmich. Kimmich often features as a right back. Um, and then they, they have, say that again? Pavard as well. Yeah, Pavard as well. Um, and then you've got... Um, and then you've got obviously Alfonso Davis on the left. So one is defensively sound um, and capable of attacking, but then you've got the other one, which is primarily gun ho, and it creates a sense of balance when you're in a game. And for me, Luke Shaw, I don't think he's that good defensively as a left back. Uh, I think he's much his defensive game is much better suited to being on the left hand side of a back three. Um, but we don't often play that way, so we, we, you know, it's difficult for him to actually sort of you know play there often, if you like, but. I just think that his attacking game is not um it's not up to scratch. He's he he when he's in possession is it's very difficult to explain but he 
he doesn't his first thought is not right i'm going to carry this ball forward or i'm going to look for a pass um pinpoint and quickly and it just kills our tempo completely and you see it he his by his indecisions and his um hesitation it drags all of our lines backwards and it's um it's something which you don't see happen at the best teams and i think it's a real area of weakness just to add on to that, because a lot of people are critical of Wan-Bissaka going forward, and I'm going to defend them on, him on that because I think he's definitely improving. But we can all accept the defensive side of his game is a lot, lot better than him than what it is going forward. And I think what you, what you touch on is a very, very interesting um, point because you look at Luke Shaw and he's probably he's performed best in the back three this season, arguably. But when you have when 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 Wan-Bissaka has the the license to bomb forward, then United can come to a back three. Um, Luke Shaw can come across more centre um, if Wan-Bissaka bombs forward. But looking at the whole dynamic of the team, I think you've you've pointed out some flaws in Luke Shaw's game. We can accept that Wan-Bissaka isn't the best going forward. So Solskjaer must be thinking, I need to get a, a left back who can get forward. Uh, yeah, has he? Has he got one in, in Brandon Williams? A hundred percent. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I've mentioned Alfonso Davis for, for Bayern. I'm not putting Brandon Williams in the same category as, yes, as yeah. Davis. I'm not doing that. But he's not the finished article at all, uh, Williams this is. But he's, his mould is, is, is perfect for the modern game. Um, and when we're trying to... Um, you know, rival the likes of, of Liverpool, Man City, and, you know, all the other top teams. You see it, that's how they play. And it's an area of our game which we don't currently have when we play Shaw. But with Williams, I feel it's, it's, it's quite the opposite. I mean, if you watch specific clips on uh, Luke Shaw's games in, in, in the bigger games, um, so, you know, the likes of like Chelsea, which, we've, you know, we played, previously in the season and then you look at Williams who played against Man City the way that the two players play it, it, it's it's like chalk and cheese um, Williams will pick up the ball and he's quick and that's the thing his feet are in line with his brain and you know he's looking to shift the ball on quickly and bomb down that left hand side Shaw will sort of dilly dally on the ball bring it out slightly might lay a pass off Shaw's favorite move and it's the most frustrating thing in the world I don't know if you've ever noticed this he carries the ball forward slightly and then he stops and then he just back heels the ball to whoever's behind him yeah have you yeah, noticed that yeah. and he runs over the ball it's like a sense of what we what we just spoke about a few moments ago with players taking risks and there's there's some players out there that are kind of they hold back from doing so and it, and that that comes from Solskjaer's um Solskjaer's managing too. Well, we don't know exactly what's being said. There might be a, a thing for fullbacks. Be very careful when you cross the halfway line. Do not lose possession. There might be instructions like that. But the video on which you touched on now, I will put a link to this on on, on Twitter later on today because I want people to watch it. Um, yeah. it, it 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 narrows it down quite well. You look at what Shaw the options that are open to Shaw. Um, the options he probably should take Martial is on, but he doesn't see Martial. <laughs> and there's there are there are left backs out there that will be looking precisely for Anthony Martial, looking for the front man playing off the last man to play that diagonal long ball. And he just wasn't quite up to space. And I don't want to be overly critical of Shaw. I think he's probably one of the players this season that's maybe the most improved. 
and that might tell Solskjaer that there's room for more improvement the next season he could be better um, I'm not sure they'll sign a left back but there's competition there and we're probably waiting and it's wrong to be waiting on Brandon, Brandon Williams to fully develop and to take that role himself because I don't know how far he is off that from, it's, it's a big jump he's been really impressive this season but to be the, the, the main left back playing week in week out week out it's a big jump and mm-hmm. we, I think Solskjaer in his management of even Mason Greenwood, he's been very cautious of, of throwing people in too early. And I think a victim of that also has been Daniel James. He's played so many games this season. There hasn't been another option there. And he maybe he didn't feel that Mason Greenwood was quite ready. But I reckon we're going to see a change in that between now and the end of the season. I think we're going to see a lot of Greenwood. Um, I hope we do. And I reckon, yeah. we, I reckon we'll see William start against Brighton this weekend. But... Just before we get on to the, the game against Brighton, I want to talk about the FA Cup draw quickly. Um, mm-hmm. We're after getting Chelsea in the semi-finals. We've had a good ride against Chelsea this season. We shouldn't be too worried about it, but um, in the FA Cup, anything can happen. And this is their only shot, really, at some silverware this season. How do you see the game going, Leah? Do you think that we'll come out on top? I think it's, it's obviously it's going to be a tough game. Chelsea are probably one of the most informed sides at, at, at the moment. At the yeah, yeah. Um, it could go either way. Uh, it could be that tight. I, I suspect maybe maybe one nil. Uh, could even go to penalties. I think it's going to be very very tight. Um, it's difficult. Um, it's go, it's going to depend, depend also when this game takes place of where the two teams are situated in the league. Now, I know Chelsea are five points ahead of United as things stand, um, but it'd be interesting if that gap is is narrowed or even extended and what impact that has on this fixture. If United are going into that game and, and the five points is more, they'd be really going for the FA Cup. Mm. You know, it's, yeah. it's a chance to win silverware and Frank Lampard and... Oli Gattasosha are both in the same situation I know it's their first season people need to be a bit patient and I got a bit of criticism um, at the weekend for saying that Solskjaer needs a trophy he does need a trophy you need a trophy as soon as possible when you're in these big jobs because people come taking at your heels and criticising you a year into it and say well you've no trophy why should we back you um, and, and going into next season I think it's vital that we come out of this season with a, one piece of silverware just to to give Solskjaer that kind of shield that he's going to need. Uh, and Frank Lampard's going to be the same because they're, Chelsea are going to spend money this summer by the looks of it. They've got Timo Werner. They've got the young lad coming in from Ajax. There's talks about Kai Havertes. If they don't do anything next season, Lampard's walking. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. I know, obviously, they got they got Hakim Ziyech and, and, and Werner for pence, really, in the current climate. But... It's still, it's still, you know, just over a hundred million, um, and they're they're good spending. Probably the Hazard money, which he didn't get to spend when he left for for Real Madrid, yeah. might have something to do with that. But the other FA Cup final, Arsenal and and City, um, I don't know if you've seen the the Arsenal game against Sheffield yesterday, but they were very lucky, very very. Yeah, lucky. I watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <sighs> Yeah, I, I thought it was going to go to extra time, to be honest. Yeah, even at the 16-minute mark, I uh, I said um, to the person I was watching the game with, I said, I think Sheffield are going to pull one back here. And then they did sort of like 15, 20 minutes later. And yeah, like you say, Arsenal got very lucky. Henderson was poor. 
um, in in that second Arsenal goal. But um, yeah, I mean Arsenal, I, it, City, City final, um, and um, I think I'm gonna I'll put my neck out on the line now and say one nil United. But I think it will be very very tight in a Manchester derby final. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just, just, just on that, you mentioned Henderson's bad performance against Arsenal. Agree. Um, I was very happy to see Rio Ferdinand um, come out afterwards on BT Sport, and so did Ruben, or Robin van Persie, uh, and and they they were critical of Henderson. And I was thinking to myself a few weeks ago, I would have said he's only a young lad, get off his back. But it, no, I, I think there was more behind Rio's punditry in a sense that you've seen the, the criticism David de Gea gets. And when he makes a mistake, and he's made quite a few of them, but I think Rio might have been thinking to himself, well, if Dean Henderson has the makings of being a Manchester goalkeeper, he's going to take my criticism on board. And he's going to take criticism because goalkeepers, you know, they're prone to criticism. Um, and he was at fault. It was, it was a mistake. But, but even the Sheffield United's equaliser through McGoldrick, the Arsenal's defending was chronic. And I think yeah. in, in a semi-final against Arsenal or against City, they're going to be cut wide open. So I do yeah. agree it's going to be City in the final. Um, they'll hope to, to retain the, the FA Cup. Uh, and hopefully it'll be us in the final that stops that from happening. Um, so moving on, just again, before we touch on that brief Brighton preview, some breaking news this morning from Solskjaer's press conference is that he doesn't expect Angel Gomez to agree a new deal. Now, Gomez's contract expires on Tuesday night, which is tomorrow after the Brighton game. And it's been going on for monthly. It's 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 the same with Tahit Chong, but he agreed terms, and then we had Angel Gomez, and Solskjaer really wasn't giving much away in the media. He kind of His comments last week were kind of half-arsed, that there was an offer there for Gomez. And if he doesn't take it, it's fine, he's gone. But and it doesn't sound like he will be taken. Are you disappointed with the news? Do you think that Gomez, there's something in his game that he'd have a future at United? Or do you think that maybe it's him, a youngster, that's jumping ship too soon and won't accept terms that have been offered? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about the news, if I'm going to be completely honest. Um, for me, I think it's, the whole situation is, is, a, is like you know, an amalgamation of two things. One, he probably wants to feature what he has done. And social, I would say it would go something along the lines of uh, Angel Gomez has turned around and said, oh, new deal, but I want 15 league games a season. And social, I said, I can't give you that with who's in front of you. I can give you maybe five league games a season. And he's not happy with that. Um, and I think Gomez's ambitions um, and opinion that he should be more of a starting figure is dictated in how much money he wants. So, for me, if 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 the gaffer doesn't um, doesn't see him as a as a as a regular first team starter, that's good enough for me. So you accept your role within the team and you work hard and you fight for your place um, and you fight for the right to start, or you don't. And he's chosen not to. And if he moves on to Chelsea or wherever else he's linked to, good luck to the lads. Hope he does well. Hope he doesn't score against us in years to come. But whatever will be, will be. You know. One of the, the aspects of, of Solskjaer's reign, which I've enjoyed most, is the environment he's built around young players. And he's made the first team very accessible to them. They graft, they work hard, they get their opportunities. We've seen that with a number of, of young players coming through. And he's even mentioned a few others, like Ethan Laird, that might get their chance next season. He, he's a, Solskjaer has opened up doors to the young players. 
you work hard, you be brought in, and you get your chance. And it, there just seems to be a, a breakdown here. And you could be right by Gomez potentially demanding the next amount of figures next season. But surely Gomez is looking at, I'm at one of the biggest clubs in the world, a team that is getting better, showing clear signs, and also a manager who will show faith in young players like me. I know he hasn't seen many games, but he hasn't committed his future either. Is there any Premier League club that he thinks he can go and get and start in? Because there's been links to Chelsea. And I remember tweeting about it. What a rubbish move that would be for him. They don't give their own young players much opportunities as it is. Where does he think he's going to fit in? Is he better than Mason Mount? No, he's not. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean, if he went to Chelsea, I don't see how how his situation would differ to how, where he is at the minute with United. I mean, the only the only Premier League teams I could see him him starting in would be uh, is it maybe West Ham. Um, I, I I can't even say Norwich because Emi Buendia is better than him. So I don't know. I it's a really strange one. Um, I think, to... I, I think what he should have done was he should have agreed new terms, went out on loan far into the Liga or, or somewhere next season, get some first-team football under his belt, come back and see what he's like. And if he wasn't quite up to space, give him a Premier League loan. He's still very, yeah. very young. And it, it just seems to me that it's been his people um, that have been rejecting the, the offers. You know, he's rejected more than one, by the way. And yeah. So United have been trying to keep him. It's his people that are telling him otherwise. And the only the two clubs that if you actually Google Angel Gomez and transfers, the two clubs that come up prominently are Chelsea and Barcelona. I'm sorry, and I've I've seen Angel Gomez in the U team. He, he's a really really good player, technically sound, really good. And I, I I thought he had a, a bright future ahead of him. I still hope he does for his own sake, his own career. But come on, if you're not going to get into the Manchester United team, Barcelona. I know they're in a bit of transition at, at, at the moment and they're probably thinking about life without Lionel Messi. But um, I'm afraid Angel Gomez isn't going to fill that void. No, no, I, I agree. I think it's... And that's why I'm not too bothered because I think if United... I think if United turned around and said, OK, look, you're not going to accept 30 grand a week, you're not going to accept 40 grand a week, here's 60 grand a week, will you sign? And he signs... That's just undoing all of our hard work that, we, that, that, that you know, the club have, have put in over the last sort of 18, 18 months coming up two years. You know, we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to not repeat Sanchez. Yeah. And, OK, I know, I know that we would never have put Gomez on 370 grand a week. I, I know that. But what I'm <laughs> trying to say is we would never, I, I think we're trying to avoid ever having a repeat of that where a player has come to us for money because make no mistake he didn't want to come to United Sanchez he wanted to go to City um, it's purely the fact that we offered him more money and he said okay yeah fine I'll go to United why not like you know why not it's 50 but grand a week you, difference you look at this it's an important point because not just Sanchez this is a problem United have with the vast majority of players in their squad you look at the likes of Phil Jones even Chris Small and, and players that United would like to push on problem is they would not get the money they're getting at United anywhere else and yeah. it, it's something that Soldier, I think, has been already trying to tackle because he's made it very clear in, in the players he's brought in. He wants players who want to play for Manchester United. And it, yeah, it, and I think, I think with Solskjaer, if I could just add, um, I think if he can find a player, if he has a player within, within his side, um, which is fully committed to the cause, where you could say to them, right, we're going to halve your pay 
and they'd still want to play week in, week out. We've got someone like that in Scott McTominay, right? I was going to mention Solskjaer, Scott McTominay. <laughs> yeah, I think Solskjaer actually rewards that, that um, um, attitude with new contracts, with, with bumpers. But I think when you're demanding it, you know, like, um, like the impression I'm getting from Gomez, I, I don't think it will work in your favour. I think you're you're going to lose when you go up against Solskjaer because of what he's trying to do. And I'm all for that. Yeah. Well, look, he just, Fred just signed a new contract, or is about to sign a new contract too, which has been reported in the Sun about a bumper deal. And I was only, uh, I mentioned on the blog that if you said to someone at the start of the season that Fred was going to get a bumper new deal, you'd say, well, what are you on? You know, you'd be quizzing it. You'd say, how in, how in earth is he going to get a new deal? Because we were all questioning whether he was good enough for United. Showed a few good performances last season, but not enough really, and really struggled to adapt to the Premier League. And I don't know if should should Solskjaer take a lot of credit for this, but maybe Fred deserves most credit because it's him we're talking about. But he's been arguably our most improved player this season. Now, he might be the one to miss out um, on games because of the, the players that are back fit in midfield and the games we have left. But he's been brilliant and he's, got his new, he's getting his new deal as a result of how he's turned his career around. Um, so I think you're right, Solskjaer will reward players like that, but... Let's not let's not lose any sleep over Gomez. He's not anywhere near really the starting the first team. He's after dragging his heels in terms of being offered new new contracts, and which he rejected. So Solskjaer has made it clear he wants him to stay. It's it's a matter of Gomez wants somewhere new. So I think we we we'll leave that talk on we we'll leave that on that. Probably the last time we'll ever mention Gomez in the podcast again. Uh, <laughs> wish wish him well. But um, just before we go, Leah Brighton tomorrow night uh, back in the league Brighton are in, are in good form at the moment um, it's not going to be an easy match but but the next three games United have to get nine points if they have any chance of getting top four you need to keep that pressure on the likes of Chelsea do you see any um, any difficulties in this game do you see any speed bumps um not speed bumps in terms of drops I think we'll win but I <laughs> My warning to to United fans would be: don't expect a three, four, five nil thrashing. Um, I just I don't think it's set up to be that type of game. Brighton are a, they're they're a good side, but they're they're very physical. Um, they're very strong, tough to break down. Uh, I can just see it being uh, maybe two one. I think I think two one. Um, I think we'll win, but I don't think I, I'm not. I'm not excited at the prospect of seeing amazing football on display because I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, we are 2-1. It's not the worst result, is it? You know, we just want to win games. It's honestly win games. And we need uh, to grind this run, up, run in. Yeah. Out. That's how yeah. it's going to be. I mean, it's. I spoke about this last night. It's out of the seven games that we've got left, I think if you said to Solskjaer, right, you've got seven games left, uh, they're make or break games, which are going to either get you top four or, or not. Who do you want to pick? I think out of probably five of those seven, he he would handpick them himself. But they're they're going to be tough because the the teams that we're playing against are all fighting, you know, to save their asses in the in the league, um, and they're all going to be tough to break down. So we have to, um, uh, we you know, we have to be on point every game because one one misstep and and you know we we could be in trouble. Brighton are in 15th place. They have a game in hand on Watford, who are directly behind them. 
But yeah. as things stand, they have a five-point advantage. So I suppose they, they they could lose this game and still have a bit of a bit of a bit of cushion space. But um, they can't really afford to to lose many many more matches. Um, I'm just trying to see if I can get up their their remaining fixtures. So they play United, they play Norwich, Liverpool, City, Southampton. Uh, I'm after losing the rest of the fixtures there. But but yeah, that's not it's not the easiest to run in with City as well. You know, they I suppose City haven't got much to play for now that the league is wrapped up, but Brighton they haven't they've been really good since the football's returned. They're not going to give us any um you know, they're not gonna make it very easy for us now Tuesday night. And we really need to get three points. And I know a lot of people have been maybe overanalyzing the, the, the performance themselves since football's come back. We know that players aren't 100%. But I really don't care um, from now in how we play as long as we win. Um, we have to win games. We have to grind out games. The likes of our defence, you know, we've conceded a, f- a few questionable goals since the game's returned. But the likes of um, Luke Shaw, I've seen it in games, you know, we talked to him already. But Harry Maguire having to ask him to wake up during a yeah. match. That, come on. You know, we're, we're, we're at the business end of the season now. I know it, it can be tough after coming, coming back after such a sustained period away from everyone. But this is the business end of the season. You see Chelsea, they're flying at the moment. They look really, really good. I'm just hoping the wheels of that bus come off and they start to, to crush before we play them in, in the semi-final in the FA Cup. But there can be no excuses for players that are falling asleep, especially in defence. You know, you, you, need, you need to be alert at all times. And I know that was the game against Sheffield and we won the game. It was good to see Harry Maguire take things seriously and not afford any slacking beside him. So just... As we are wrapping up there, Leah, how can people follow you on social media? And can you give me a prediction for the game against Brighton? Yeah, so um, 2-1, 2-1 United win um, against Brighton. I think we'll, we'll lock up the three points there. Uh, and then on to the next one, which I think is Bournemouth. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to the game. Um, it's going to be tough. 100%. Uh, my social media, uh, I'm on Twitter. You can follow me at LSmith, uh, followed by five underscores. <laughs> it's a bit of an awkward one. So that's LSmith, underscore, 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 underscore. Underscore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with a 1-0 United win. I reckon Marcus Rashford's going to get back on the score sheet tomorrow night. Um, right. s- sooner the better. He just needs a goal. Uh, I know people were critical of his performance against Sheffield because <laughs> the chance he missed but he still set up goals you know <laughs> and that's the thing if you're not if the striker or your forward is not setting up, not scoring goals but he's setting them up you know I don't really care about that either you know at the end of the season I know you look you know to look at big goal tallies but um the first thing I look at is where we finish in the table that's what matters most um yep. you can follow me on social media at O'Donnell Dale or you can follow the accounts for for Straighty News that's at Straighty News and for this podcast at Stratycast. You can support this podcast and the website on Patreon by becoming a member via patreon.com forward slash News. There's a few tiers there. We don't offer any really exclusive content on Patreon, but it's just basically our way to ask you to support the podcast and the website. Keep us running. Um, a lot of time put into it the other day, I think, for the Sheffield game. We published 30 articles during, during the match, so that's the kind of standard of stuff we're doing. Um, Leah, just a quick thank you for joining me this morning. I understand you had a few bevies um, last night. <laughs> Feeling a bit rough? Um, I felt better. <laughs> I have felt better. I'm not going to lie. I'm all right, but yeah. Self-inflicted. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks a million. And we'll see you again after the Brighton game. Happy Thursday. We'll record with Mike. We'll have a lot to, dis- to discuss. Um, for the meantime, keep an eye on our stuff on social media for any updates. And we'll see you again soon. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.